Hope doesn't change our lives, but habits do. Here's something I think is really interesting. It's something I'm starting to discover later and later in life. Discipline is actually contextual. And what I mean by that is you might be a very disciplined person when it comes to like eating and nutrition, but you're lazy. You're not disciplined when it comes to getting work done. Uh, You might be disciplined when it comes to learning because you love reading books and listening to podcasts, but you're not disciplined when it comes to actually doing things and putting that learning into action. Today, we're going to talk about discipline, and there's a reason your business will sink or swim based on the habits that you have and how disciplined you are in those habits. I can't think of a better person to talk to about discipline and habits than my friend Craig Rochelle. Craig Rochelle is the pastor of a church with about, I think it's like 100,000 people that go to this church. He is just one of the most wonderful people, and he's teaching people how to do what he did, just learn good habits. If you feel like you're in a rut and you feel like you're just kind of stuck and it's affecting your ability to grow your business or be consistent, today's episode is a gift. Welcome to the Business Made Simple podcast, the podcast that teaches you how to grow your small business based on the book, How to Grow Your Small Business. Today's conversation is about habits and discipline and Craig Rochelle's new book, The Power of Change. I'm your host, Donald Miller. Hey everybody, Entrepreneurs on Fire, hosted by John Lee Dumas, is available now on the HubSpot Podcast Network. Entrepreneurs on Fire stokes inspiration and shares strategies to fire up your entrepreneurial journey and create the life you've always dreamed of. I know you're gonna love it. Here's a great episode to check out first from the show's 2020 archive, It's how to run a business on Amazon, tips and tricks from the number one leader in marketing products with Robin Johnson. In this episode, Robin Johnson, owner of Marketplace Blueprint, shares how Seller Central is the most common way to sell on Amazon, what important opportunities you'll miss out on if you are not focused on Amazon, as well as what research you need to do to set yourself up for success and how to do it correctly. Listen to Entrepreneurs on Fire wherever you get your podcasts. There's probably nobody who has better habits than you. I mean, nobody that I know. Nobody like at your age is in that good of shape. You you like you go into the 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 sauna in the back of your house for like six minutes a day. You're doing cold plunges. You're eating fruits and berries. Yeah, but you got to put me you, in the category. Nobody <laughs> at your age. You got to put me in the uh, the over fifty category to make it in that list. But, but thank you. Well, come on. You're over fifty and you look thirty. Let me just get it out. Let me get it out because right. I'm going to say it. Nobody wants to say it. You're just wired this way. You don't have, you don't actually have any discipline. You just want to do these things. Yeah. <laughs> you have yeah. no, you're never tempted by a Reese's peanut butter cup. Man, Reese's, you, you nailed it right there. Or M&M's <laughs> or donuts with chocolate on it. I am uh, no, I'm very, very, very vulnerable to uh, <laughs> lots of unhealthy disciplines. And yeah, people, people look on them. They'll say, hey, you're naturally disciplined. Like, no, 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 I'm not at all. Your book is called The Power to Change. It's about changing your habits. And, you know, I said before we went live, I'm going to get some free coaching. And Mm -hmm. I I imagine there's people who are, there's people who are listening and you've got, you've got some habits, man. And you've written a book about it. And, and I'm telling you, I get my hope up about stuff like this. I mean, you know, you and I are friends. We go back. I used to weigh a lot more than I weigh now. I used to weigh 200 pounds more than I weigh now. It's amazing what you've done. You're going to love this story. No, you know. That's fine. I'm I'm very grateful, extremely grateful. I've lost about 175 pounds, something like that. I'm at two, we're probably at 215, but I've been at 215 for five years and I need to be at 185. 
I'm telling you, getting from 215 to 185 is harder than getting from 400 pounds or whatever it was, 215. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so dadgum tired of eating something and then an hour later going, why the heck did I do that? Mm-hmm. And according to your book, it's all about habits and it's all about changing those habits. And so I'm very, very curious, even though you and I have talked personally about it, we've never gotten into the deconstruction of how a habit works. Sure. Now you're telling me that you actually had to learn this and it worked, right? Thousand percent have to ha, still learning it. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, we we all have our version of the eating whatever, or the sleeping in, or the being lazy, or the procrastinating, or not having a hard conversation. Everybody has that, and everybody has that final whatever it is—the final five percent, the final ten percent—that seems to be the most difficult. You make a, you know, you yeah. make some progress, and then you stall out. That that is absolutely a part of it. It's a part of my story and anybody's story. We're all vulnerable to you know good starts and fast. Uh, yeah. Uh, being derailed and, and such. So yeah. What's interesting to me, this was, tell me if you, if you agree with this, I would be tempted to think of myself as an undisciplined person, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm out of bed, the crack of dawn. I can work 300 days a year on a book. You can't keep me away from that coffee shop to write that book. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of think sometimes I think, well, people who are in really good shape. They're the same way, but it's about the gym mm-hmm. or about their diet. The, in other words, discipline is actually contextual. Yes. Like, are you a disciplined or undisciplined person? Well, give me the context. Exactly. Discipline, we tend to think of it as discipline to do the right things, but you could say some people are disciplined to do the wrong things. Like, I'm not a disciplined <laughs> person. I just sleep in, play video games, and eat Doritos all day long or whatever. And you could say, okay, well, that's your discipline to do that. You're designing your life around it. And so, I would say that all of us are vulnerable to the wrong habits, and by by nature, we have to choose the right ones. When I look at you, I see someone who's incredibly disciplined. You just may not be as disciplined in a specific area that, as you want to be, uh, and so that's what we want to do. And and I think you said, Don, what's really interesting is you said I don't see myself as a disciplined person. And that, yeah. that to me is a fundamental place that we need to start. Well, I was going to ask you that because it's there's five, there's your, your book is broken down into five kind of sections or five thoughts. And the first one is how to evaluate how you think of yourself, yep. your view of God, and the future you. So explain to me, explain to us, first of all, how we are not viewing ourselves the right way. Well, you, you said it. You said, I'm, I don't feel like I'm a disciplined person. So why is it that we do what we do? And there would be a lot of kind of sub reasons like because of peer pressure or because we want to make a good impression or because we feel pressure to do the right thing or whatever. But the primary reason that we do what we do is this, you do what you do because of what you think of you. Hmm. It's your identity. Your identity tends to drive your behaviors and then your behaviors would confirm whatever view of your identity is. So it's really as much of a, a wrestling with your identity as it is. 100%. With- if, if you want to change what you do, change what you think about you. And so if we were sitting there talking about, you know, and we have before, and I applaud not just weight loss because it's not about weight. It's really about a pursuit of health, right? We want to, we want to be good yeah. stewards of our body. And so that's, that's what you're doing. And you've made so much progress. And so I would like a friend to friend, I would say, you're never allowed to say I'm not a disciplined person anymore. And it's especially when it comes Ooh, to, I like that. to, to <laughs> because when it comes to your health, because I've seen the little makeshift gym that you put in your basement. And we <laughs> talked about what you're doing. We talked about your diet. We talked about what your um, where you started with certain pushups and how you added this and that and the other. And so what what you're doing is you are a disciplined person who's now 
taking your disciplines and moving it into another category of your life, which is your health. And that's what you're doing. Are you dialed in 100% yet? No, but you got momentum. You're moving in the right direction. And so I, I would just start with that, with identity, is as long as you start with a negative statement about your identity, you're going to have a self-fulfilling prophecy when it comes to that. How do you how do you attack that? Like what like if you could get inside somebody's head and listen to them, you know, Craig, where would you say, hey, 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 did you hear that? Do you hear how you're talking to yourself? What would you be listening for in that person said that they need to be listening? Great for? question. I would be I would be listening for any area of negative self-talk. I always do this. I can never do that. I can never have a good relationship. I'm never going to be able to lead a business. I'm not a good leader. I don't have what it takes. I'm I always uh, fail in relationships. So I would, li I would listen for the extreme statements that are negative, the always, the I will never, those kind of things. Um, and that's going to likely identify the biggest point of self-deception where we want to try to bring about change. You see that as self-deception. You see that as... I totally see it as self-deception. I see it as you talking yourself out of, and here's the great thing is, wherever you lack discipline the most today could become the greatest point of strength tomorrow. That's what you're seeing. You don't lose 170 pounds and start a journey of health without becoming incredibly disciplined. You are that. You just don't believe it yet. And the moment you believe it, the moment you wake up and say, the same Don Miller that will write 300 days in the coffee shop is the same Don Miller that has forward momentum in his health, that's when you're going to get it dialed in and you're going to get you know, that final elusive 10%. You're going to close it to a 7% gap and then a 6% gap. And you know, we'll probably never, ever hit the 100% mark because we're imperfect and there's and we'll die before that. But <laughs> you're going to close the gap and move in that direction when you change how you think about you. How long does that take? So for me, uh, I read years ago the book called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. And uh, in it, yeah, yeah. It, he, great, book. It, great book. And he talks about the Keystone Habit. And I think it was Alcoa Steel was the name of the company that the new CEO came in and said, we're going to be the safest place to work. And the board was like, what? And, they stopped, and everyone was like, what? And, and he drove that one thing over and over and over and over again. And so it changed how they hired. It changed their system. It changed their communication. It uh, changed their processes. And all of a sudden, they started being better, hiring better people, creating better systems. They started being disciplined. And, and they, they got disciplined. And they became very, very profitable based on a keystone habit. For me, the thing I hated most, Don, is I hated flossing my teeth. And so uh, after reading that book, I just kind of in my mind decided if I choose to do what I hate to do, that's a sign that I'm disciplined. And it was a keystone habit. I started flossing. And then for me as a person, and I know you have a, we have a broad range in this community with different spiritual beliefs, but I'm, I'm a, a Christian. I had a, a little statement for me that I said this over and over again. I said, I am disciplined even though I didn't feel like it, I am disciplined. And then what I said, Don, is this, I said, Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. What I was doing there is I was taking an, an external source or power greater than me and saying, I need that help. I am disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. So for me, I went from feeling very, very undisciplined. I always thought I was lazy. I took shortcuts. I didn't want to eat the right thing. I didn't want to work out. I, want, I always wanted to sleep in. It took me months, maybe even years to change my mindset to where if you asked me today, I would say absolutely and completely, I am disciplined, but not on my own. It took years of renewing my mind. It was years of that identity years. being backed up years. in action. Years.
Yes. So uh, back to the God thing. You yes. know, this this is a concept that's been around a long time. Even like twelve step programs, mm -hmm. they teach you to lean on a higher power. Yes. As a side note, why do you think, as a pastor, why do you think that works? Why is it that you have to rely on something bigger than yourself? Because you would think, well, if I'm a disciplined person and I have this identity of I can just knock anything down, mm -hmm. how does that marry with this idea, well, I need God to do it? Well, I would say that no one is disciplined completely on their own. We need accountability. We need resources. We need encouragement. Um, we need correction. We're beings. Unquestionably, we, we are, for the most part, a product to the people that we're with. And if we want to go to theology, um, and for those who believe there is something more than just this life, that there is a source outside of me that when I am weak, there's a power that's stronger than me. And so from a theological standpoint, I think it's always wise. I love the 12-step program that teaches you to depend on a higher power. Uh, I think depending on people matters. I want to create systems in my life that help support and structure the right habits, and I want to distance the wrong behaviors, the wrong temptations away from me. That, that's just wise. I, need, I might need external support for that. So none of us are disciplined, are successful, have the right lifestyle on our own. We need the right people, the right resources, the right tools, the right spiritual power, and all of those things matter a lot in helping us to create the right rhythms um, that bring a life that was something we'd be proud of. You've got this, it's the second point of your book that you go into. What is the difference between training and trying? This may be my favorite thought in, in the whole book. If most people, when you talk to them, Don, they're trying to do something. You know, yeah. I'm trying to eat better, trying to get up early in the morning. I'm trying to be more organized in my business or whatever it is. And anytime we're trying, we're essentially giving ourselves an, ex an excuse to fail. It's kind of a half-hearted attempt to try to do something. When we're in training, there's a whole different mindset that goes into it. We're in training to become better at something that we already are. You're, you're a disciplined person. You're in training to become more disciplined at whatever area the discipline is. If you're trying to become more healthy, you got, you got a reason to fail. If you're in training, it doesn't mean you're perfect, but when you're in training, uh, for example, I took up jujitsu three years ago. I got the bag, I've got the gi, I've got the gear, I've got the rash guard, I've got stuff for my, to protect my teeth. I, I mean, I've got the whole gear because I'm, I'm in training. Um, when I go, I see myself, I'm not trying to become a fighter. I am a fighter who's becoming better at what I do. It's a, it's a mindset. Doesn't mean that I train every single day, but I'm, but I'm in training. And so I would try to say, whatever you're working on, wherever you want to get better, if you're in training, you're getting better at what you see yourself as. If you're trying, you're trying to become something that you're not. And so are we successful? Am I successful when I get a new belt in jiu-jitsu? The answer is no. I'm successful when I go to the gym and train that day. That's how we judge uh, success. And it's, it's uh, you, you will find yourself winning and succeeding and living with momentum when you're training to have the habits that bring about the right result versus trying. When you're trying, you're gonna, you're gonna quit when you get tired. Well, try, I, trying is so disheartening based on what you just said as I thought about it. Trying is pass or fail, right? If you try something, you either succeeded or you didn't. So if you're trying to not eat biscuits and gravy in the morning and instead eat a bowl of fruit or something, then you're just reinforcing this fact that day after day I fail. 
But if you're training and you're training your discipline, there's this sense of I could fail today, but I'm in training. So of course I'm going to fail until I get it. And you may even you may even decide to eat biscuits and gravy once a week because that's part of your plan. Like you're you're going to part of your training. Six, six days you're you're training. One day you have a day off, and so you may. I mean that's a part of your training, and that's not a failure. That's intentional, and that's a big part of training is planning for a day off, planning for a break. And that means if your diet is strict, you have a break day, you have a break meal, you eat biscuits and gravy, and, and you plan to do that. So that wasn't a failure, that was a part of the plan. Are you sick and tired of wasting your precious time on tedious tasks like pulling reports, rewriting blog posts, and trying to personalize countless prospecting emails? Well, say no more because HubSpot has some amazing new AI tools that are gonna blow your mind. Introducing Content Assistant and ChatSpot, all from HubSpot. Content Assistant uses the power of OpenAI's GPT-3 model to help you create content outlines, outreach emails, and even web page copy in just seconds. And in case that wasn't enough, they created ChatSpot, an incredible tool that connects to your HubSpot CRM for unbeatable support using chat-based commands to manage contacts, run reports, and even ask for status updates. This easy-to-use CRM just got easier. Head to HubSpot.com slash artificial-intelligence to get early access today. And now, back to the show. Okay, this is another one that I found very interesting. It's the third idea in your book, How Hope Doesn't Change Our Lives, But Habits Do. Is hope a bad thing? Is somebody listening thinking... Gosh, you know, I feel like I have hope because I'm listening to this podcast. Do they need to transfer that into some sort of habit? Or here's what I'm getting at, Craig. I get so tired of hoping. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I get so tired of hoping after 20 years that Reese's peanut butter cup is not going to be interesting <laughs> to me. My wife can walk by Reese's peanut butter cups and not know that they're there. If we walk into a grocery store, and I've never been to that grocery store. I can get you to the Reese's peanut butter cups within about 30 seconds. Yeah. No, no, I'm with you. And and hope is not bad. We all, we all want to be people of hope. Sure. But in business, you know, I'm hoping to be more profitable. Um, in ministry, I'm hoping to reach more people. It, hope alone doesn't change your life. Habits do. And in business, you're one of the best I know. I mean, your, your mind, um, anybody who wants business advice, pay him whatever it is because he's worth it. The potential of your leadership is a reflection of the quality of your habits all day long. If you want to change your leadership, change your habits. And, and it's, it's simple. What we want to do is we want to determine what are the outcomes that we want and what are the habits that lead to the outcomes. We're not successful when we have the big outcome later on. We're successful when we're doing the right habits or creating the right inputs today to bring about the desired results. So it's, it's simple. What we want to do is we'll say, what kind of business leader do I want to be? Or what kind of person do I want to be? We're going to start with the who, and then we're going to look at the habits. If based on who we want to become, what one habit do we need to start? One habit, not five, because when you try to do five, you fail at five. If you can do one thing, and as James Clear says, then that one thing is a vote that reinforces your identity. So it's a vote in the right direction. Or based on who I want to become, what one habit do I need to stop? And we're going to choose one of those. We're going to remove something that's robbing us of our identity, or we're going to add something that's reinforcing the identity. Dude, and then love this. when we know who we are, we're not trying. Now we're in training to become more of it. And it sounds pretty basic, and it is. 
because it works. It's kind of like your airplane model of business. It's, it's clear, you can see it, it's digestible, and it works. And that's what we're trying to do with habits. Before we got on, I, you asked how my health stuff was. For those of you that haven't figured out, Craig actually came to Nashville and visited folks. And he, we spent a day together and he walked around in my little, my, my embarrassingly small garage gym with like the heavy bag and all that kind of stuff. But I was just saying, I'm adding a rower. I, I will only add equipment as I'm 100% certain I'm going to use it. And I'm, I don't want to go buy like a $50,000 gym and then have it look, sit there and look at it, hold my dirty clothes. But I'm, I'm adding the rower and I might add it tomorrow. So walk me through this. What I was thinking was, literally out of bed, slip on some shorts, hit the rower in the next room and do 15 minutes, like seven days a week, every morning. When I get out of bed, I hit that rower because I understand, I understand this. When I get out of bed right now, I get out of bed, I make a cup of coffee and within 20 minutes, I've got my computer open and I'm writing. And that was a hard earn. That was years. But now you couldn't pry me away from that. Like that, that's just, it's what my body does. If I and so what you're saying is if you can get that into other areas of your life, if I could do that like with the rowing machine or the health thing, things start to shift. But it's really not about hope. It's about actually activating and training and doing that habit. Yeah, no, I love it. And and I thought your little makeshift gym was phenomenal, by the way, because you had all used equipment. You weren't going to spend big money on something you didn't know you were going to use. To me, it was the it was the perfect place to start to build your identity. It was private. So you didn't have some, some kind of public view of how to, am I working out right in the, in the gym? Uh, it was the essential equipment that you needed. On the rower, what I would suggest, just friend to friend, is I wouldn't do seven days because then if you miss a day, you feel like a failure. I'd say, I'd say five days, you know, maybe, maybe six. I'd give myself a full day off of it. I also probably wouldn't shoot for 15 minutes because if you go 12, you feel like a failure. And if you haven't rowed yet- You think just 10 minutes- I think you're gonna be shocked at how difficult rowing is. You can go two minutes hard and, and do a lot. My, my suggestion would be to add that as part of your rhythm and vary it so, so that you'll never get bored doing the same thing. And then a goal is to work yourself up to about 20 minutes a day of something. It could be 10 minutes rowing, 10 minutes of whatever. At the 20 minute mark, what you're gonna find is your body releases the endorphins. It's kind of like the legal drug and you start getting addicted to it. In the same way you might be addicted to caffeine or to sugar or to drugs or to um, porn or whatever, your body gets addicted to a good habit and then nobody's gonna stop you and nobody can stop you. And Once you. How long does it take to get that habit strong, do you think? It, everyone says, you know, 30 days, whatever. Uh, the research varies a lot. Some will say as little as 17, some says 60. I would say the wrong question is how long does it take to create the right habit? The right <laughs> question is um, how can I do the right thing today? Like literally once, once you start doing it, you're not going to be a person trying to get up and row every day. You're going to be a rower. That's what you are. It's your, it's your identity. Um, kind of borrowing off the James Clear teaching and he's the one who teaches, you know, do two minutes of it today. If you set that goal, you do two minutes, yeah. you might do three. Make it, make it really simple to do. And then you'll find yourself succeeding. You, you'll, you'll discover things about rowing that you did not know. You can go hard and that's enough. You can go slower, 15 minutes. You may listen to podcasts. So you'll find your rhythms. Don't set your goal till yeah. you get it. And then get it and see, um, see how your body responds to it. That's interesting. I, I want to ask one final question. There's, there's two more points in the book, but everybody's going to have to get the book in order to read these. The book is called The Power to Change. The last two points how the reap sow principle can change the trajectory of your future. 
I'm going to listen to the audio book and, and hear that and how God's power can become the catalyst for lasting change in your life. I want to ask one thing that's kind of a side thing, Craig, because I think this is really important. I love your perspective on it. How much of your habits can be detrimental based on the people you're hanging out with? I mean, are there people listening that you just need to say, hey, look, you got to stop hanging out with these folks or they need to change or all y'all need to change because you're not getting out of this thing alive if you keep surrounding yourself with people who are in reinforcing these habits? Yeah, this is, this is a complicated question because especially you know, all of us as kind people, as generous people, as people yeah. of faith, we want and to as be- As loyal people, we, right? Loyal, loyal to our people. friends. We want, we want to be loyal to everybody, but there's a difference between loving somebody and letting people have an internal, um, be in the internal circle of influence in your life. And so there's a billion saying, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You're the average of the five closest people you, uh, that you're, you're with. And I mean, th those are true, 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 true. Who you are today is a reflection of the people that you're with. If you look at habits, I mean, it's been scientifically proven on everything from how, if you're a reader to your diet to where, where you vacation, how you spend your money, how you think about money, all these things are influenced by your friends. And so if you're around people that um, are consistently influencing you in the wrong behaviors, what I would suggest is you redefine the relationship. It doesn't mean you don't love them. It doesn't mean you don't ever talk to them anymore, but it may mean that you don't talk to them every single day, or you don't let them into your home, or you don't go to the same places with them. You redefine the relationship. And there are certain people to be successful, you might have to distance yourself from them for a season, a period. And then you might wanna find some other people um, to be around. If you don't like where your habits are going, you might change some of the people that you're with. We're not going to blame all people on every no, bad habit that we have. Fault. Yeah, but we want to, we want to be around people that we want to be like. Yeah, I've, I've a long time ago, and I don't even think I did it consciously, but I, I started not spending as much time with people who had just a really strong victim mindset, which is akin to cynicism, right? I mean, just really, really cynical folk and started distancing myself, and man, things just got better. It was very hard to break that habit when it was being reinforced in the community that I was involved in. So that's great. All right, the book is called The Power to Change. I'm so grateful for your friendship. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, I appreciate your friendship, and let me know how, that, uh, how the rower goes. I'm, I'm cheering for you, man. I really like Craig. I, I, it's rare to meet somebody who is as accomplished as he is, who is also as down-to-earth unassuming, hasn't gone to his head. It's just, it's just fun. It makes me feel, it makes me, you know, I know he's, I know he says habits are more important than hope, but it makes me feel hopeful. Okay. At the end of every episode, I give you a plan of action from today's coaching conversation. These are the main takeaways you can immediately implement to strengthen and grow your business. And today's plan of action is an invitation. It's something I want to do together. I, I, just two things, because there's a lot that Craig talked about but the two things, one are these habits of, I'm going to pick something to do first thing in the morning that is a bit of a shift. Normally, I get up, take a shower. I actually get the baby up, change her diaper, give her her bottle, and then get her ready to hand to Betsy, who then takes over for breakfast. I'm out the door. That all happens in about 30 minutes or so, but I'm going to change. I want to go into the other room and ride that rower for 15 minutes. And uh, I want to do that and try to make that a habit. So that's the first thing I want to do. I'm wondering about you, though. Is there something that you say, okay, well, this is what I'm going to start doing. I'm going to start doing this. With everything Craig talked about, having a training mindset, not a trying mindset, I'm training to become somebody 
who gets up and gets on a rower. Such a man, such an awesome paradigm shift right there. Uh, second thing, I just want to be aware of the times when I attack my own identity. I, I just want to be aware. I'm not going to try to change it. I just want to be aware so that it doesn't slip through unnoticed. You know those times you say, you're never going to figure this out. Uh, you always overeat. You always lose your temper. You, you know, whatever it is. I just want to be aware of it. Because I read in this Enneagram book years ago by Riso and Hudson, I read in the book that it's actually more powerful just to be aware of what you're doing than it is to try to change it. In fact, your your brain, this book said, your brain like revolts against something when you try to change. It doesn't like being controlled. But if you just say to yourself, hey, you're doing that thing again where you do this and then offer no judgment, your conscious mind will actually figure out how to change you. Those are the two things I'm committed to. One is a new habit of getting up and getting on the rowing machine. And the other is being aware of when I'm attacking my identity. And we'll see. Hey, if you listen to this podcast, talk to me six months saying, how's the rowing going? <laughs> There's some accountability. There's some pressure. And if you ask me that, though, I'm going to say, what was the habit that you tried to introduce? And how's that going? And you and I will have that in common. Maybe we should have a secret handshake. Life is too short not to not to get some things done and enjoy the thrill of accomplishment. Pastor Craig, the book is called The Power to Change. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for being a friend. Go get the book. It's available wherever you buy books. With that, thank you as always for listening to the Business Made Simple podcast, the podcast that teaches you how to grow your small business. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week.